Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiya, handsome. Come to join the party. Hey, party people. Welcome to the Patrama Party, where we shake what our mamas gave us. Things like generational trauma and body image issues. So grab your spandex and your shot glass and let's get into it. I'm your host, Remy Ramirez, and today we're talking about internal family systems. IFS is a model of psychotherapy that was created by Richard C. Schwartz in the 80s. It basically posits that our minds are made of subpersonalities or families, some of which we're not even aware of, and each of them with their own viewpoints and needs and desires. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> And together, they're kind of all in there reacting to each other, creating our mental system as a whole. That's the idea. It's a really intricate model. I was first exposed to it a few years ago when I worked with a therapist who practiced IFS. We did some IFS work together around my experience with sexual assault, and it was some of the most transformative work I've ever done. Sadly, I was so bummed. I literally cried. She moved to another state not long after that. So we stopped working together, but I've been dying to talk about IFS on the pod. So I'm thrilled to introduce LCSW and IFS therapist, Carissa Arrested to the pod. Hi, Carissa. Welcome. Hi, Remy. Thanks for having me. So oh. excited to be here. Oh my God. I am, I, I'm beyond thrilled when you were like, oh, I want to talk about IFS. I was like, oh, yes. To get things started, though, tell me about your astrology. Introduce me to you a little bit. Yeah. So I have a Leo son. My birthday's coming up next week. Yay! Um, But my son is in my 12th house. So that's an interesting thing for a Leo son in the 12th house. Totally. Because I'm I'm like shy, but I'm not shy at Mm. the same time. Totally. Um, I have a Sagittarius moon in the fourth house. Mm. And then I'm a Virgo rising. And that means I'm supposed to be articulate, I think. Yeah, no, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, who is the planet of communication. But this is so interesting because Karen, who was on last time for our shadow work episode, who I think you know. Yeah. Hi, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Karen. (laughs) Karen also has a Sag moon, which I love because Sag is the explorer and philosopher of the Zodiac. And the moon is our emotional landscape. So Sag moons tend to be emotional explorers, but what's so, I didn't realize that your moon was in the fourth house because that is the house of home and family. And this is internal family systems. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, and then the other thing that's so cool is the sun in the 12th house because I don't, I don't know how familiar you are, but the 12th house is a house of mental health and the subconscious. Mm-hmm. So you having your son, you know, the son represents your identity that being placed in the 12th house. It really makes sense that you're a therapist, right? And that like, right. 
this is so important to you. And then, you know, Virgo rising is perfect too, because in addition to being ruled by Mercury and a communicator, it's also about getting into these specific, specific parts, right. And like thinking about how they interact in the way that like Virgo loves details and, and loves, um, the nitty gritty. So I just love looking at how all of those are working together in your chart. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A little mix. Yeah. A little (laughs) mini reading to get us started. Okay. Well, let's get into it. We decided to do things a little differently today. Carissa is going to start off by walking us through an overview of IFS, what it is, how it works, and a little bit about these parts or sub-personalities that I mentioned at the top. And then we're going to do a demo IFS session together to kind of help us understand how it works and the benefits that it can bring. So Carissa, take it away. Tell us about IFS and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say you did a good job in your little mini snippet. Um, there, Remy explaining it, but to take it a little bit farther. So IFS stands for internal family systems, and it was created by Dick Schwartz in the eighties. And I'll just give a little more background about that. So Dick Schwartz was a really famous family therapist, and he even wrote a textbook on family therapy that was widely used in the U S and at the time he was working with severe eating disorder clients at an inpatient setting, I believe. So, you know, we all know family therapy is about different roles in a family and how that creates or sustains dysfunction. And, you know, changing the roles of what people are playing in the family might help to free up that dysfunction, right? Hmm. So that was the premise he was using with these clients at first, but it really wasn't working. And he was paying attention to things they would say. And they, you know, his clients started to talk about these parts of them inside, you know, there's a really famous, uh, you know, example, Dick Schwartz was working with a young woman who had severe cutting behaviors. Mm. And once he was getting this idea about parts and kind of exploring it, he was negotiating with them at first and with this cutting part, really negotiating for it not to cut her anymore. And when you say, when you say part negotiating with a part, what does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, this client was saying, I have a part inside that cuts me. It gets really mad and it's the one that cuts me, right? This was a natural language that the clients were using. I see. So they just kind of spontaneously started saying there's a part of me that does this. Yes. Interesting. Exactly. And, you know, we all do that even if you don't know about IFS, you know, that's a normal thing we say in our language, right? Right. Well, and also like, I think I've said a lot of times, like my inner child wants this or needs this. And I haven't used the word part, but it's like, there's a separate part of me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we all kind of intuitively have a sense of it. You know, we already use that language. Got it. But anyways, with this cutting part, you know, the moment that things change for Dick, um, it had promised not to cut her. And then the next session came back, this young woman had a gnarly gash on her face. And he told the part, I give up, uh, you win. And this part said, I'm not trying to win. I'm just doing my job. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, Dick said he, he got curious about it and things really changed. And he discovered a lot about what parts are doing, right? Mm-hmm. 
So does that make sense for me? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Can you walk us through what the parts are? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So parts are like fully fledged subpersonalities within us, you know, they're not just a feeling, they're not just an emotion or a thought they, if we spend more time with them, we can come to find they're kind of like a person. Mm. They, they're a whole package <laughs> Wow! and that might sound funny or that might sound scary. Right. Right. One thing people often, when they hear about this model, get a little scared because what do we think of? schizophrenia, mm-hmm. disassociative identity disorder, you know, diagnosis that are extreme and, you know, might be scary to some to think about. Mm-hmm. But the premise of IFS is that multiplicity is normal. It's natural. All of us have it. People with DID, um, they just have more space between their parts. It's a little less fluid. What is DID? Sorry, that's dissociative identity disorder. Okay. Used to be called multiple personality. Got it. Yeah. You know, we think of parts as their own entities inside of us, right? Okay. And there's different types of parts. They play different roles for us. So what's really important is to know that there's there's parts carrying wounds and carrying pain. And then there's other parts protecting that. Mm. Right. So, and they have different strategies, either proactive strategies, which are managers or reactive. So those are the, so the managers are proactive. This is, so this is the name of a part, the managers and they're proactive. Yes. Okay. And what do they do? So they work to keep the exiles pain away by being proactive. So these are our organizers, our busybodies, you know, um, parts that exercise, that take care of us, that are holding it all together. They're often not as emotional (laughs) and they're often exhausted because it's a lot of work, right? Okay, so that's the manager. And then you mentioned while you were talking, the exiles. Yeah, yeah. So exiles are the parts that are, they they really don't have a role. They're just carrying pain. Mm. They're often really young. Mm. So they're carrying beliefs about ourselves. I'm shameful. Um, no one loves me. Just pain that we've experienced. And they're called exiles because other parts are really trying to keep them away, trying to keep their pain out of the system. Mm. And when you say keep them away, does that mean keep them away from other people so other people don't see it or keep them away from us so that we don't see it? Yeah, both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, so far we have managers, exiles, and then Mm -hmm. if I recall, there's firefighters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And firefighters, another word for them are our soothers. When pain from the exile has already gotten out, they work to like soothe that all. Mm. Right. So I, I, if I felt, if my shame got out, oh, well now I'm going to go eat ice cream. That's my firefighter. Ooh, behavior. I love them. <laughs> yeah, I love them too. They get a bad rap because they're usually our parts that are, you know, addicted or doing impulsive behaviors. You know, if you think about a real firefighter, if there's a fire, they don't care if your house is all fucked up. They're just there to put the fire out, right? Mm. They're not there tomorrow. 
they don't care about tomorrow. They care about getting that fire out right now. Right. Okay. And then are those, okay, wait, so you said the managers are proactive. Are the firefighters proactive? They're reactive. Reactive. So if you actually, you know, to take this a little further, the same behavior, let's say, let's say drinking, for example, it could be coming from a manager. If it's proactive, say I drink before I go out to a party so that I don't, you know, I feel confident and I keep my shame away Mm. or I drink after I've already felt some shame to numb that that's a Mm. firefighter behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you can be the same behavior, but depending on how you're working with it, it could be a manager or a firefighter. Right. We don't know until we look inside and really ask and check it out. Cool. Okay. And then are there more than more parts than that? Yeah. You know, some parts are not playing any of those roles. They're just are like, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example for me. You know, I have a really playful kind of childlike part that is not exiled. It's not playing any role. It's just there. You know, we tend not to talk about it that much in IFS. Just, I mean, with the therapy, we're, we're working with parts that need help. Right. Um, so, but yeah, there's other parts that are just, they're, they're just living their gifts and they're not stuck in any kind of role of protecting pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. So these are the the three main ones that we look at in therapy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So now there's one other part we haven't talked about yet that completes the model. So there's lots of therapies that do work with parts. But IFS is the only therapy that does work with parts and self. Mm. So self-energy, this is something that Dick kind of stumbled upon as he was working with his clients. If you get enough parts to step back, there's this natural energy that emerges in all of us that seems to be really different than our parts. It seems to have no agenda. It's really open. There's actually eight qualities uh, that are C words (laughs) that we have for self-energy, but another word for it is our inner healing guidance. So IFS really is about using our self-energy to heal and take care of and have a relationship with the parts. Okay. So just to be clear, this fourth part is called the self Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, we can think of it as our own self-healing energy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a part, but yeah. Oh, it's not a part. Okay. Yeah. It's not a part. It's our core and everybody has one, even the people who are in the most pain. So let me share a metaphor for you and we'll see if it makes sense. Okay, cool. So uh, think about an orchestra, right? An orchestra has a conductor. And when things are going well, there's all these different, you know, parts, pieces in the orchestra. They play different instruments. They have different roles. They're playing the song at different times. And the conductor is leading and we're making really beautiful music, right? Right. Now, 
if the conductor is not present and we've got, let's say the flutes and the cellos are beating each other up and, you know, <laughs> chaos. whatever, there's chaos, there's, you know, parts that don't like each other, there's parts crying in the back, we're not <laughs> making any music, there's no conductor, you know, there's dysfunction. Right. So, you know. And then in this metaphor, what does the conductor represent? Yeah, the self-energy. Ah, yeah. that's the self. Yes. I was like, is the therapist the conductor? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the self. The self is the conductor. Yes. Okay, got it. Exactly. Awesome. So we're going to get into this demo. And then afterwards, I'm going to ask you some questions. In this demo, we're going to be talking about my relationship to chocolate. <laughs> I won't call it an addiction because that's not quite right. Like I haven't, I actually haven't had chocolate in like a, a few weeks because I decided to like chill out, but it is definitely a compulsion. And I've noticed that when I'm really emotional or overwhelmed, I'll turn to chocolate and it will literally change my physical state. Like I'll feel a rush of relief in my body. It's like, I, I go from feeling, um, really wound up to feeling like, Oh, I can, I, I think I can handle this. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we're going to look at my chocolate compulsion through the lens of IFS. Carissa, I'll let you take the reins from here and kind of guide us through it. Yeah. Great. Great. So Remy, can you just walk me through what that whole process looks like for you reaching for the chocolate? Sure. Um, let's say I'm scared. I get scared a lot, actually. That's kind of one of my, my go-tos. I have, a, I have anxiety. So I'll get scared um, that something's not going to work out or maybe that I've messed something up. And I almost always have Justin's uh, <laughs> milk chocolate peanut butter cups in my pantry. So I'll just run over to my pantry and depending on how stressed out I am, I'll either have one peanut butter cup or both of them. Cause they come in little packets of two. And then, and I usually, I often do it when I'm working cause I work from home. So I'll just like go grab something, grab my chocolate, run back to my room, eat it while I'm working. And then, um, just notice that I feel, uh, relief. I feel a, a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a part that feels scared and then another part that seeks relief. Yeah. Does that feel right? Okay, great. And I'll say another time when it comes up for me is when I feel lonely, which is another, that's a big one for me is loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. So Remy, you know, is it okay that we turn inside with some of this right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. So you can take a couple deep breaths if that's helpful for you. Yeah. And we're just going to invite everything to slow way down right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to find these different parts in or around your body. So let's start with this one that's scared. Mm -hmm. 
So Remy, just connect with that right now and let me know when you've got a sense of that. Yeah, I've got it. Okay, great. Where does it show up in or around your body? It's in my stomach. Okay, awesome. So just welcome that right now. Send a breath. Great. And now let's find that one that's lonely. Let me know where that one shows up. Mm, that one feels, oh yeah, that's in my heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So welcome that one, Remy. Send a breath. And then let's find the one that seeks relief with the peanut butter cups. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she's like in my head. Yeah, she's like, eat the chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, excellent, excellent. So welcome her. And Remy, I'm, I'm gonna have you just hang out with these sensations right now. And there might be one that's calling out for your attention the most or feels the strongest. It's so funny. I thought it was going to be the anxiety one, but it's mm -hmm. the loneliness one and it's ah. really uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. All right. So would it be okay if we stayed with that one right now? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we'll let the anxious one in the peanut butter cups, let, uh, you'll be back to check in on them. Okay. But just bring all your attention to that loneliness in the chest. There might be other things you notice about it, Remy. There might be images, colors, words, memories. Just let me know when you're sensing something about it. You know, the image that's coming up is my mom. Okay. So just take in that image that's coming up right now. And can you see yourself with your mom or what's happening there? Oh, oh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm going to cry in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, it's my mom's loneliness. Wow. Remy, is it okay to be feeling this right now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Remy, it feels like you're kind of blended with that feeling, like you're feeling that loneliness right now. Yeah. So we can stay feeling that feeling right now, or we can ask for a little separation. Yeah. So Remy, we're just inviting this part to separate, to make a little space for you. And if it can do that, just please thank it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Remy, how are you feeling toward this part that's lonely right now? Well, it's confusing. I feel confused. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Welcome that part, Remy. A part that's confused. Do they need you to know anything else about that? Or can they give some space right now? The confused part is young yeah and wanting to fix my mom's loneliness but also believes that that loneliness is the truth of life yeah yeah makes sense so Remy welcome this one that's confused 
Yeah. Is there an image for this one that comes up? Yeah. Um, like five, a five-year-old me. How do you feel toward her right now? I feel so sad for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that sad, like compassion or sad, like pity? It's like compassion. Okay, great. So just extend that compassion towards her and see how she responds. Oh, wow. Wow. She's telling me that no one has seen her before. Yeah. Let's welcome her. You are seeing her right now. Can she take that in? That means a lot to her. That's wonderful. So breathe in this new connection with her. And Remy, can you ask her how old she thinks you are? Hmm. She said 35. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing if she's five, my mom was 35. Wow. When I was five. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Remy, can you share with her how old you really are? And just let her know you're here to take care of her. She's been working really hard to take care of you. Mm-hmm. How's she doing? Well, she feels better. She feels, um, she's smiling and she's like, I don't think she's ever felt taken care of. Wow. Let her receive that right now. Whatever comfort or care she needs, just allow that to happen. Beautiful. And Remy, you know, we started trying to talk to the lonely part and just curious um, what feels right, you know, which part is needing the most right now? You mean between the anxiety and the loneliness? Yeah, well, the confused part, was that the part that was lonely? Hmm. Or is there a different part that felt lonely? Oh, this is so funny. I, I think that's it. Ah, okay. Sure. It's just shocking me, but yeah, I think that was, I think that was it. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh um, no, there's a part that's much older. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's, oh, it's me now. Oh no, oh no. Oh, 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 what's going on, Remy? Oh, it just really doesn't feel good. It's really that. So Remy, we're going to ask this part not to flood you right now. We're going to ask it for some space so that you can get to know it too and help it. All right, so send some breath and... See if we can welcome this one. Where's this one showing up? Is it an image, a feeling? It's a feeling. It's weird. It's um, it's in my chest, but it's not in my heart. It's like almost in my throat. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to be feeling that? Yes. Okay, great. So Remy, you let it know that, that this is okay with you. I'm just staying with it. There might be words, images, or memories. Oh, it the 
it's like a gut punch. I'm hearing the word disillusion. Uh huh. So Remy, just asking for some space to be with. Yeah, beautiful breath. How are you feeling toward this one right now? I'm feeling despair. Uh huh. And Remy, is that coming from this part? Or is it a different one that feels despair? It's this part. Okay, great. So you're feeling blended with this part right now. Yeah. And that's okay. But we can ask it for some space and just invite it. Could maybe move in front of your body. I'm just turning down the volume, you know, one or two notches to make room for you because you want to know its story. Okay. So thank it, Remy, for turning down the volume. And how do you feel toward it now? Uh, I feel, wow, I feel, um, I feel overwhelmed by it a bit. I don't know how to help it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So welcome that part that feels overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. And Remy, just invite that one to give you some space right now. They might just hang back and watch or go do something else. And if they can do that, just thank them. Can they give a little space? Yeah, I see them kind of like floating like a little ghost or something. Yeah, awesome. Thank them for that. Remy, now how do you feel toward the one in despair? I feel... I feel anxious. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, great. So welcome that. Does this anxious part have something it needs you to know? Or can it give space? Mm, it's telling me. It's like, whoa. It's like, it's like a little um, elf or something. And it's like talking really fast. And it's like, this is a really big problem like we can't fix it until we fix it. Like you're never going to get better if you don't fix this thing. Uh-huh. Sure. Let it know you get that. I really welcome that little elf one right now. And let them know if they give some space, we maybe can help the one in despair. So would they be willing to give some space? Okay. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like skipping away. Cool. So thank it for that. Yeah. And Remy, now how do you feel toward the one in despair? I feel sad for her, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like compassion or like pity? I think more like compassion. Great. So extend that her way, Remy. You might even breathe that compassion bigger. Yeah. And tell me how she responds. Oh, wow. She, um, I put a blanket around her and she's like, she took up more, like she kind of like took a big breath. Like she was kind of shrunken before and like she was afraid she was like cowering but she kind of just like relaxed beautiful 
let her know you're getting that. And you might take a breath with her and send her some calm. Remy, how does she feel toward you? She trusts me. Wow. Let her know you get that. And just invite her to share whatever she needs you to know about her feelings or her role. She feels really abused. She feels really taken advantage of. Uh Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. So let her know that. Yeah. She is scared. Yeah. And she doesn't. She doesn't trust the world. Sure. She's been carrying a lot of pain. Remy, does she feel like you totally understand or is there more? Oh, she just said, I can't forgive. What's she afraid would happen if she forgave? Oh, she said too vulnerable. I can't do it. Okay. Let her know you get that. How are you feeling toward her now? I really feel for her. I really, and I understand. Mm -hmm. Just let her know that. And I'm so glad she trusts you and she's not alone. So Remy, is it, can you ask her, does she protect a vulnerable part? No, I think she is the vulnerable part. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, let her know that makes sense to you. So is there anything else she needs you to know or? No, she said, thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful. So Remy, it might make sense to set an intention to check back in with her. We really wanna keep this relationship going. She might have some ideas about that. Oh yeah, she likes that. Yeah, both parts are like they have felt really unseen. So this feels really good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, bring in that one, that younger one too. Let them both know you'll be checking back in. And is there anything else that either one of them needs to feel complete for now? No. Okay, great. So just thank them so much for showing up. And Remy, let's pan out just a little bit. There were lots of parts that gave space, parts that were scared, anxious, and the one, the peanut butter cups one that we didn't get to. Just thank them all so much. Did they all see what just happened here? Yeah. Great. We'll send a little more love and appreciation. I'm returning to your body and letting go of any imagery. And when you're ready, we'll shift focus from inside back to outside of yourself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? 
Oh, you know, I'm feeling surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah. For a second there, I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, all the feelings, this feels terrible. <laughs> um, but I feel calm and I feel centered. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah. Those are self-energy words, right? Calm, centered. Oh, oh my God. Wait. Yeah. What are, <laughs> what are the self words that you talked about? Yeah. So there's eight C's of self energy. There's more, but you know, we love a good acronym, right? <laughs> so there's calmness, curiosity, compassion, confidence, courage, clarity, connectedness, and creativity. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I def I definitely feel that's so interesting the way the way that it acts the work accesses compassion. I think I struggle. I go right for the painful emotion when I'm in my shit or I don't know, or when I'm overwhelmed or whatever. I'm I don't have I don't have immediate access to compassion for myself. And even when people say it, I cringe a little bit, like, no, <laughs> like, like, I yeah. feel like they're trying to turn me away from looking at the thing. Ah. Like it's a, like a love and light bullshit process where it's like, just have compassion for yourself. And I'm like, I'm sad. God damn it. Right. This feels really different because I didn't turn away from anything. In fact, I did the opposite and I felt how intense those emotions were. But then as I was able to kind of acknowledge these other pieces that are freaked out, you know, the like, I'm overwhelmed about her being so upset. I'm, I'm, I'm the anxiety elf. And I have to tell you that like, she's really fucked up. And if you don't fix her, then we're completely fucked, you know? Yeah. Um, like ha having a space to like, see that and hear all those pieces and then be like, okay, but I'm actually gonna let you guys take a minute over there and I'm going to focus on her. That whole process puts me in compassion in like a very, uh, organic way that doesn't feel forced. Like just right. love yourself. Yeah. Cause look, but just love yourself. That's an agenda of a part that's probably trying to fix it, mm. eager to get through it, right? That's not real self energy that has no agenda, that just wants to be there with mm. the part. Oh, wow. Okay. This is so fascinating. Um, and before we jump into the questions, can I ask you some questions about what just happened? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. So the young, confused, Mm -hmm. part and the, con my contemporary loneliness part mm -hmm. are these exiles, you know, Remy, it's kind of hard to say actually. Um, you know, I realize now I haven't even really defined what a burden is. <laughs> oh yeah. So burdens and role dysfunctional roles uh that's what creates pain 
So burdens are negative beliefs about ourselves, or you know, bad energy, bad memories, whatever stuff we're carrying from the past. Mm. You know, burdens we're carrying. So these two parts definitely have burdens. It sounds like I'm not sure if they're exiles. I mean, you know, when I asked that one if they were protecting anything, and and she said no. You know. It's just hard to say. Hmm. Interesting. Well, burdens are interesting too. And I, that word is when I think about, you know, my mom was really despairing about she, there was a lot of sobbing. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of, um, raging Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of, like, I have very clear memories of my mom saying, why doesn't anyone love me? Why doesn't a man want to marry me? Why doesn't your father love us? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and this was when I was probably like five Yeah, and I was trying to fix her pain by telling her I would marry her if I was a man. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I love her and, you know, all of these things. Right. So, I I had never thought I had never made the connection that like my own loneliness is so it was this burden that was given to me so early on. Yeah. I noticed that actually at first you said it's my mom's loneliness, you know? So if we had more time, we might work with releasing that burden and see how much is yours, Mm. how much is your mom's. Right. Right. And I think that's, what's interesting about what just happened is I feel like that's kind of what came up was like, there was the me now who feels lonely and who feels terrified. Yeah. (laughs) And she is separate from the child me who took on beliefs around the world, the lonely place, um, men aren't trustworthy, right? All of these, you know, I guess, burdensome, um, self-limiting beliefs right? from my mom. So that, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for leading me through that. That was, that was really, uh, powerful. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. And, you know, it's funny because we'll start thinking that one part needs attention and then your system lets us know what really does. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say where it will go. It didn't right. go where we thought, right? Right. I was like, anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns out the the chocolate's doing a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you, um, in the last episode, I had a therapist on to talk about shadow work. Mm-hmm. How do you see the relationship between IFS and shadow work? Yeah, I think they're so compatible, you know, I wouldn't say it's like 100% the same thing, but, you know, shadow work is about integrating unknown, unseen, unliked things. And, you know, so is IFS. IFS is about developing a relationship with what we previously felt was shameful or, you know, disconnected from, didn't, don't want to look at. You know, I work with a lot of clients who they think that they're going to find monsters or something inside of there. No, you're not, Mm. (laughs) you know, you're going to find sad, scared, lonely, 
burdened little parts of you, but there's nothing in there that can hurt you. Right. Mm. So shadow, you know, that's a scary word, right? Right. Right. Well, that's, it's funny you say that because that was one of the things that I, when I had Karen on last time and we were talking about, I was like, part of, part of getting through shadow work is just getting through the idea of shadow work (laughs) because it makes us feel like we're monsters or something or like, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm greedy. I'm, um, I, I need to feel I'm, I'm competitive. I need to feel powerful over everyone or, you, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that we think is going on. Yeah. And, you know, one of the self energy sees is courage, you know, when we are in courage, it's not so scary, right? It's we're curious and uh, we can go there easily. And as you, you know, I hope you could see Remy in that demo, like this is pretty safe, you know, parts give space. I mean, they just want to be heard and witnessed, you know, mm-hmm. they're not trying to hurt you. They, they might carry strong emotions. They might be afraid of separating, but they can separate. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like a lot of times we turn away from this kind of work because we're so afraid of what's, what's, inside the, the, the Pandora's box, you know? Yeah. But actually what you said really resonates around these parts really want to be seen. And that was the thing around both of the parts that I kind of tuned into. They were both like, Oh, you're seeing me. And especially the child one, because when, I mean, this is all sort of making sense to me now in, in hindsight, when I was trying to console my mom in these moments, no one was after, after these really traumatic experiences of my mom being like the world is fucked. No one was coming to me and saying, are you okay? Uh, I was just trying as a five-year-old to navigate something that was really overwhelming. And so having this moment to say like, Hey, are you okay? Little five-year-old Remy who feels really confused. It was such a relief. Like she felt she immediately relaxed just because I was looking so that I think that's a really good, um, Mm -hmm. note, you know, a really good, um, place to put our trust is like when we look at these parts in whatever way we do it, but when we look at these things, when we don't turn away, it has the reverse effect that we think is going to have. It's like, when we look, we actually feel way better and we actually see how vulnerable we are and how, how, sweet, you know, like these are little sweet parts of me that are just fucking bummed out. And they've been carrying that pain for decades, right? Yeah. I mean, gosh, that's like 30, 30, well, how old (laughs) is 36 (laughs) years? Yeah. Like, wow. Can you, um, can you talk about the roles that fear and shame play in IFS? We kind of talked about fear, but, but do you see IFS as a way of dismantling shame? 100%. You know, I I, am careful not to ever use absolutes because, you know, I don't know anybody's system as well as they do, but it really all boils down to fear and shame. I mean, that's really, that's what we're talking about here. Mm. I mean, they're, they're usually at the core, you know, we also carry these collective burdens, right? So Richard Schwartz has named four that Americans are carrying 
patriarchy, materialism, racism, and individualism. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Collective burdens we're all carrying. And, you know, if you unpack those, I mean, gosh, fear and shame are at the root of those too. Wow. You know, pick anyone, you'll get to fear, shame. And so what this is a personal, cause the, I, I mean, I did an episode on the trauma of the patriarchy. It's something that like, I've worked with a lot. I've, I've, it's so personal to me. It, it feels so personal to me. And, you know, and in addition, like I have really struggled in my relationship with my dad and I recently sort of unpacked that, like I have transferred a lot of my rage toward my dad that I was never allowed to have toward him onto ideas about the patriarchy. And so can you kind of talk a little bit about what the burden of the patriarchy and, or the burden of racism, like kind of what those look like for us collectively? Yeah, it shows up differently in different people's system, right? But we've all been brought up in this toxic, you know, the burden was there, it was bigger than us, Mm. right? So like, say with patriarchy, you might be carrying beliefs around that. I'm not good enough. You know, it's not true that you're not good enough. The reality of patriarchy shaping these beliefs. I just want to validate that. There's nothing wrong with you. Right. The patriarchy is really telling you that you're not good enough. Right. So that might show up in all sorts of different ways. You know, with women, historically, we've exiled our anger because Mm -hmm. it's not been safe to show that it's not been appropriate, right? That's (sighs) patriarchy at work. Oh, I've, I literally just said to a friend yesterday when I was talking about this, um, rage that I have around my dad and around the patriarchy and like that, I kind of don't know where one ends and the other begins. He was so intuitive and he just said, well, and then on top of it, the patriarchy doesn't allow you to have your rage. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Double whammy. Thanks America. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And so, and so maybe like racism burdens look the same way where it's like shaping our beliefs around people of color for people who are white or white passing. And then for people of color telling them like, you don't get to have things, you don't get to succeed or whatever, like you're whatever the, whatever the, um, the bullshit beliefs are right. That they are, are spatting at us all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing I love about this model talk about dismantling shame. If I have a racist part, which, you know, let's be honest in America or maybe even in the world, we all have parts that are carrying burdens around that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not all of me. That's not all of you. It just allows us to have compassion for ourselves and for others and whatever journeys they're on of healing. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Have you, okay. Yes. I really wanted to ask you this. Have you seen any patterns in attachment styles in IFS? Like, like do people with anxious attachment or, or fearful avoidant attachment, for example, have any tendencies or patterns when it comes to IFS parts? Yeah. I'm so happy you asked me this question. This is one of my favorite parts about IFS. You know, when I was in grad school and learning about attachment, I was like, I don't really understand. Like I'm supposed to just be one, like, 
you know, I can be anxious with men, but I'm super secure with my friends and totally kind of avoidant with my mom. And like, you know, which one am I like, Oh, that's weird. Now it all makes sense to me because yeah, I have different parts that are, some are anxious, some are (laughs) avoidant Mm. and all of us do now you might be carrying more extreme burdens in one area, right? If I'm, you know, say I'm anxious attachment and I'm carrying a lot of shame, um, you know, in my system around connection or lots of bad beliefs about people are going to leave me. I might show up generally more anxious, but I just bet if you look inside, you're going to find a part that doesn't want so much connection or Mm. a part that's secure. I mean, and our self energy is secure if self is leading, but does that make sense for me? Yeah. So, so essentially what you're saying is different parts have different attachment styles. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, that's really interesting because I didn't expect that one part that came up for me to say, I can't forgive. It's too vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is an avoidant, a fearful avoidant um, part, which is interesting because in one of the past episodes, I said, you know, I show up often as anxiously attached and I am afraid people are going to leave. It Mm -hmm. it shows up way more in my romantic relationships than in my platonic relationships. But the closer I feel to a friend, Mm -hmm. the more anxious, the more anxiety comes up for me that that person's going to leave. But I remember saying, I think that if I had been raised by my dad, I was mostly raised by my mom, but I, but saying like, I think if I had been raised by my dad, I would have developed fearful avoidant attachment. And what I kind of notice is I am fear. I am like avoidant in romance in general. I hardly ever date, but once I'm dating, I'm anxious. Right. So it's, yeah, I see that there it's dynamic. Right. And like, that was something I was trying to say in that episode anyway, that like attachment style is dynamic. And so it's not like you're just one. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is that like, you can look at a part and kind of figure out its attachment style. Right. And then if you think about joining in a relationship with someone who has just as many parts as you, you know, (laughs) you're going part to part, my part to their part, and they're doing a dance, you know, this is why sometimes people go, oh, so I'm anxious, but with this person, I'm not, you know, Mm. their parts are bringing something different out in you. Oh, wow. It's so dynamic. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's like a little, it's like chemistry. It's like you put a bunch of little, all these Mm -hmm. different things in a test tube and then see how they react to each other. Right. Which in IFS, everybody's your teacher. We we actually call them tour mentors, like T-O-R hyphen mentor. (laughs) Oh, clever. Because they're teaching you something about you and your system. I mean, that's really all relationships are doing. I mean, they're really exposing what needs to be healed in us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And IFS can be thought of as, um, internal attachment. So myself having a secure attachment with my parts, that's another kind of goal here, secure attachment inside. 
Oh, I don't abandon myself. I don't avoid myself. Right. I love myself. I hold myself. Whoa. Oh my God. Being securely attached to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is like, Oh, that's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, okay. Last question. When you and I talked, you said that the goal is not to show up as the self all the time. Mm -hmm. And that really surprised me. Why is that? Why, why isn't the goal to, to be that self core self all the time? And, and what is the goal then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that that's not a beautiful thing to shoot for, but it's just not realistic. You know, Mm. it's we're humans. Our parts are going to come up. They're going to blend. We're going to get triggered. And so it's not the goal is not to be this perfect person who's always unblended and calm and compassionate. You know, if we can have that more than we've had it in the past, that's wonderful. I'm here to spread that. But The real goal is just to really know yourself, know what's happening, you know, have language for that and to let this self really lead the system to be in front, to be in relationship with not perfect, not perfection, but it's a different way of being. Yeah. So, so maybe the goal then is to be in connection with the parts Right. And to be in compassion in a compassionate relationship with them. Right. But to maybe also to understand when they are, have taken the lead. Yes. And when, exactly. and the difference between that and when the self is in the lead. Exactly. It restores some balance and harmony within us too. Right. I've never loved myself as much as I love myself after doing this work. I mean, I forgive myself. I know exactly what's coming up when it comes up. I say hello to it. I ask it for some space. I take care of it. You know, I'm not in self hundred percent of time at all. Trust me, but it's just, I know myself so differently now and I love myself so differently now. I really like that because one thing that I've said before on the pod is like, I really hate when people say like, just love yourself. Like, oh, you're never going to find a partner until you love yourself. And like, I'm, it makes me so mad because I'm like, to me, it's like, and I said this before, it's like, it's like, I've told someone, Hey, I'm in LA. I need to get to Sacramento and, and I don't have any transportation. And they're like, we'll just build a car from scratch. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't know how. And they're like, look, if you just build a car then you'd be fine. All you need to do is just build a car. (laughs) Like to me growing up the way that I did self, when people would just say, just love yourself. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? How do I, I don't know how to do that, but what's cool about thinking about it in terms of IFS is like, there's an actual process there and, and you don't have to do it alone. It's, it's guided. It's the work of loving yourself. And it's not, you know, it's not a glib slogan for, for your like self-help, uh, Insta account, (laughs) right. It's actually, there's a way there's a process. And I think that's the thing that I've always really liked about IFS is that there are steps, right? Yeah. It's an experience. Yeah, totally. Carissa, thank you so, so much for coming on. I, I knew I might get 
I knew that some stuff might come up for me. I thought the chocolate thing might be kind of safe. <laughs> Turns out it was more intense than I'd anticipated, but thank you so much for, for being so gracious and for being so generous and suggesting that we do a demo that, that I think that was like such an amazing, yeah. um, moment on the pod. And, 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 and if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? How can they reach you? Thank you so much, Remy. And I just really appreciate your, you are such a great role model for people who are doing the work. And I just think that's amazing about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So people can find me uh, at my website. It's inner explorationstherapy.com. And I'm licensed in Oregon and Washington. I could see clients in those two states. Uh, and if people want or are interested in IFS therapy, you can find a practitioner at the IFS Institute's website. And I highly suggest finding someone who's trained um, just because it, it, it's a very rigorous training that really helps therapists um, unblend from their own parts, which I think is such an important part of this work. <laughs> so right. I just recommend that and hope people are excited about it. Cool. Yay. Thank you so much, Krista. Yeah. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Insta at Remy's R-E-M-E-E-Z. I also just the other day finally started um, a Patrama Party account on Insta. So I'm at the Patrama Party on Insta. I haven't built out the whole thing yet, but if you want to just kind of scoot in there and get in on uh, on the early side, feel free. Um, and also if you have time and you feel like this podcast has helped you, please rate, review, subscribe. It really does help. And it means a lot to me too. And until the next time, baby, enjoy the party. Enjoy the party.